Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now you found it. This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now. Yes, it does, and welcome back, everyone. Appreciate you tuning in. Today is Saturday, February 6, 2016. I'm Alan Smith, along with Donna Smith. We appreciate you uh, back here spending a little bit of your time with us on Ask the Trucker Live. And those, how do you put this, those sneaky little critters within the governmental agencies are added again. The same unfair wage proposal, which was known as the Denim Amendment, that we fought and won in the transportation bill is now part of another bill, but under another name as a provision of the FAA reauthorization bill. And once again, if passed, this could end all possibilities of future advancement for fair pay for drivers. The House of Representatives introduced H.R. 4441, the 270-page bill called the Aviation Innovation Reform and Reauthorization Act, or AIR, A-I-R-R. And this is a bill designed to authorize aviation programs and would set priorities for the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, for the next six years. So what does aviation bill have to do with trucking? And uh, many of you know I'm a I'm a private pilot. I have my single engine land, so I kind of keep an eye on what's going on over the FAA. But these, within this aviation bill, the large motor carriers have managed to slip in a provision that will impact truck driver pay. Section 611 contains the exact same provisions regarding fair pay that our opponents un- unsuccessfully uh, tried to include within the Denim Amendment in the highway bill known as the FAST Act last year. And as you know, OIDA stood firmly opposed to that language as well. The language in the FAA bill, like the Denim Amendment, would prohibit states from requiring truckers to comply with state-enacted hours regulations, such as California's meal and rest breaks. It also would exempt carriers from state-enforced penalties for not uh, allowing drivers to take state-required breaks. States would uh, also be restricted from requiring carriers as employers to pay truck drivers' employees separate or additional compensation. So, again, as many of you know, there has been an intense focus these past few months on driver wages. Drivers' wages, as we know, have not gone up in well over 20 years, but that's just part of the discussion. Many of those fighting for higher wages right now are not just fighting for, uh, for more miles, or more CPM cents per mile, but are rather demanding that drivers get paid for all time. That includes detention time, the waiting time, fueling, paperwork, pre-trip, post-trips, and some, such as Pat 
Hockaday of truckersunited.org suggests that drivers be paid for all time away from home. So it's a pretty heated discussion that's been going on in the trucking industry for quite some time now. And as we stated many times, being paid piecework such as CPM while racing a 14-hour clock is not only unsafe, but doesn't make much sense when unforeseen obstacles can occur any time during a scheduled load. Things like detention time, weather, traffic, mechanical problems, everything all the drivers have experienced out on the road that can prevent that truck from moving down the highway. So since drivers are only paid when their wheels are moving, it simply means that no matter how many hours you are away from home and on duty waiting to move forward with your load, or even waiting for a load for that matter, you're not going to receive monetary compensation unless those wheels are moving. So as a matter of fact, the companies are very much aware that drivers need miles, obviously, to earn money, and it is not uncommon for a carrier to deliberately let a driver uh, stand around for a few days as a means to a retaliation for whatever reason, even if the driver was in his or her right, and uh, we all know what I'm talking about there. But there are states, however, which have tried to compensate for this, who have uh, labor laws to protect drivers and were meant to put limits on employers, specifically the meal and rest break provisions of the regulations for transportation companies imposed, not by OSHA, but by California's Industrial Welfare, uh, Welfare Commission. And many drivers are confused about state laws, and we're going to try to explain how these laws, which were actually created to help compensate drivers, are being threatened by provisions in highway bills, such as a recent Denim Amendment, which was thankfully struck down in the 2015 highway bill. Uh, but now being brought up again in the FAA Reauthorization Act, again, the Federal Aviation Administration. And these provisions, if passed, would basically eliminate any hope for increased driver wages and drivers being paid for anything except when those wheels are rolling. So what does all this provision mean for the professional CDL driver and how does it affect their wages or could affect their wages? Our guest tonight is Christina Humphrey and she is going to explain the devastating effects of how this provision could affect CDL over-the-road drivers, and she is going to clear up the confusing aspects of the provision, which is broken down into Part A and Part B, and clarify what each part means to drivers. She is also going to explain what we all need to do to ensure that these uh, provisions, or this provision, is not passed. So to be a part of the program, call 347-826-9170. Press 1 on your keypad at any time to join in the conversation. We'll try to get to you as quick as we can so you can ask our guests any questions you may have. So we've got a, a great show, Donna. You all set up over there? Well, you know I am. I know you are. <laughs> You're over there. Your fists are clenched. Your knuckles white. <laughs> a great show this evening. Appreciate you tuning in. Attorney Christina Humphrey is our guest, and it's all coming up on Ask the Trucker Live. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. 
with a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less. You make the monthly payment, and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. This is Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at askthetrucker.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Christina A. Humphrey is our guest. She is a partner at Marlin and Saltzman's in Agora Hills, California office. Her practice is focused largely on litigation in several areas, including complex individual employment claims, fraud, and whistleblower actions. She's been selected by the Los Angeles Magazine as a rising star in the field of complex litigation and class actions every year since 2009. Ms. Humphrey received her law degree from West Virginia University College of Law. She is licensed to practice law in North Carolina, South Carolina, and is admitted in all California federal and state courts. She's been with Marlin and Saltzman for approximately 10 years, and in that time has played an integral role in recovering at least $700 million in payments to class members. So, Christina, a pleasure to uh, have you on the show, and uh, we thank you for being here this on, on this uh, Saturday evening. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's it's really an honor to be on here. Um, I, I represent a lot of truckers in the cases that I do, and so I'm happy to be in on this and standing up for the truckers. Um, you know, I've done wage and hour law for 15 years now, and quite frankly, I've never seen abuse like I do in the trucking industry. It's uh, it's quite shocking, and really, I'm disappointed with this bill. I think, um, you know, the companies are really trying to put the nail in the coffin here on trucker wages, and it's a shame. So thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, it's, it's our honor, and we we uh, we really do appreciate you being here. You know, they tried to go through this thing with the Denim Amendment, and so many people through social media and OIDA and trucking social media outlets and I mean started blowing their horn and we got that thing shot down and it's just so sneaky how they sneak this in and like I said at the beginning of the show you know I'm a pilot myself so I kind of watch what's going on with the aviation and and lo and behold there it is stuck into an aviation exactly it's a bill that has nothing to do with transportation or truckers or or drivers and it's stuck into a bill that quite frankly has to be addressed by Congress um, it's a budget bill, uh, so something has to be done on it one way or another, and it really has nothing to do with uh, trucker wages. So it is it is pretty sneaky, and it's something that has to be dealt with, but it also has to be uh, brought to the attention of the truckers, and we got to let them know what's going on out there. Yeah, and that's exactly what we did with the, uh, you know, we, uh, when I say we, I mean many of us in the trucking industry about the denim amendment, but you know, 
as Donna was telling me earlier, and, and I think speaking to you earlier, that you know a lot of truckers are you know confused over this, and I think not so many are now. But you know when you really dig into this thing, it, it is it is rather confusing, you know. And I think a lot of truckers think you know they hear California all the time, so they think well. If this has to do with some kind of California law or regulation, you know, I don't live in California. I don't even go to California. Why, why would I? Why would this affect me? I mean, let, let's just let you just dive in wherever you like and kind of start laying this out. I know you're going to talk about the provisions A and B, but it is a confusing topic. I even have to admit for myself. So I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you and kind of let you lay the foundation here. What, where we need to head on this thing. Okay, well, I I can tell you um, that it does involve more than just California. I mean, it it involves other states out there uh, who not only have similar provisions to California, but um, who don't have similar provisions to California. So this involves every trucker in every state um, operating in the U.S. So I wanted to make that clear. But, But what it essentially does in a nutshell is it means that drivers will be receiving less pay and working longer hours. Um, And how it does that is it makes it legal for uh, carriers to pay you only for your mileage. All those other activities that the drivers are doing during the day, the pre-trip inspections, post-trip inspections, wait time, fueling, paperwork, time spent at the scales, if you're breaking down on the road, basically all your non-driving activities, it is saying that you will not be compensated for it. And it will be legal for a company not to compensate the drivers for that time. So, um, obviously, you know, it's going to have a huge impact on driver wages. Um, it will attempt to decrease wages, you know, to just the minimum wage and maximize the number of hours that the, the drivers are working each week. So, uh if the company chooses to, they can basically tack on as many non-driving activities to the driver's day and not pay them for it. Well, I mean, and then, of course, they're on the 14-hour clock, so some some new drivers may be listening thinking, well, they don't get paid for it anyway right now, so what 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 would it really matter? I mean, you know, the the waiting at the scales, like you said, doing their laundry, the pre-trip, post-trip, they, they're not getting paid for that anyway. So, Well, this ensures that they'll never get paid. Where's the big deal? <laughs> I'm sorry? Well, this definitely ensures that they'll never get paid for it. So this basically will just break down uh, any kind of negotiation factor later than Donna's, right? Well, this just kind of says there's no hope because right now there's so many of us now who are uh, pushing for detention time. I mean, uh, I believe OIDA has uh, a petition for that, and, you know, getting paid for all hours is is a real push right now. So what this basically, if I'm hearing it, correctly and correct me if i'm wrong but what it says is all this um effort that we're all putting into being paid for all time would be washed down the 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 drain uh because it would now be a federal law that drivers only have to be paid for uh when their wheels are going when they're moving cents per mile or piecework as as we call it uh, am exactly I correct right. on that statement? 
Okay. That's exactly right. But what it also does is it incentivizes the company to tack on even more activities, non-driving activities that they don't have to pay the drivers for because they're not going to have to compensate them for, uh, for them at the end of the day anyway. So, uh, you know, in addition to the pre-trip and post-trip, what's going to stop a company from saying, hey, you need to clean up around the yard as long as they're paying you minimum wage at the end of the, at the, end of the day? So, right. like I said, I, I think it will cause the drivers to be paid less in the long run and working longer hours. Okay. Well, or, or, or working in their 14-hour um, clock, in other words, if, if they're given more responsibilities, uh, even during, like, you know, when they're, when they're not driving, I mean, they would just have to do them and that would just be part of the job. Right. Okay. Yeah, well, they, it would have to be part of the job and it would be perfectly legal as long as they're making, <laughs> let's make this point clear again, Christina, as long as, as long as it averages out that they're being paid at least minimum wage, then, you know, that, that's, that's going to be good enough. Exactly. <clears throat> wow. Well, you know, um, the wording, Alan, I know you have the denim, um, I keep calling it the denim amendment, the FAA uh, provision, um, which, uh, by the way, for everybody who's wanting to find this, you know, all kinds of messages coming in, you know, where is this, you know? It's H.R. 4441, Title VI, Section 611. And basically, if you get to the link, it's on page 256 to 258. And all this is on the show page with the links, and it's in within the show page description. So you can just click on the links and get to the bill and read it yourself. Um, but, um, Alan, you have it over there. And the way it's written, and of course these things are meant to be written this way, um, people are very, very confused. Um, let's start with Section A, which just, they're totally, totally confused what this means at all. And um, I don't know if you want to read Section um, A of, of that, or you want me to read it? I don't well, I don't know. Christina, you got, oh, you got it. Okay. Christina, do you have it, or...? I, I don't have it right in front of me. Okay. All right, let me read it. This is a Section A that we were talking about. It says, a state political subdivision of a state or political authority of two or more states may not enact or enforce a law, regulation, or other provision having the force and effect of law prohibiting employees whose hours of service are subject to regulation by the secretary under Section 31502 from working to the full extent permitted or at such times as permitted under such section or imposing any additional obligations on motor carriers if such employees. End of quote. Now, I tell you, that can really mumble your, your brain. I mean, can you break that down <laughs> in layman terms for us, Christina? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, well, Basically, uh, and I'm again, I'm trying to simplify this as much as possible, um, but what it does is if, if your state affords you um, a meal or a rest break um, separate from what the DOT requires. So I, I know the DOT requires a 30-minute break within an eight-hour period. Right. So, for example, if California, which California does, affords also a 30-minute meal period, um, requirement that must be taken within five hours. Um, 
<laughs> what it essentially means is that you will not be allowed to um, take whatever meal or rest periods that your state affords you. Now, it also means that if your state affords you to be paid, if you miss a meal or rest break, um, then you're not going to get paid for it either. So it essentially okay. means that you're not going to be paid for your meal or rest break. And and I you know another thing I think that needs to be made clear here these states that do offer drivers meal and rest breaks um, and they feel they don't want to take them they can waive the break and just take the the pay is that correct? Well, at least in California, yeah. So there there are um, provisions that allow you to um, have an on-duty meal period agreement with your employer. Um, I know the companies um, sometimes try to sell this to the drivers as uh, that it's put it's unduly restricting them and they have to take the break at a certain time and that sort of stuff. And that is what the law provides. But it also provides that if the nature of the work prevents you from taking a break, then uh, you can have an on-duty break and they can simply pay you for your time. The reality is the companies don't want to pay the drivers for their time to take a break. Um, right. At least that's what I find in my cases. And so it's really not unduly restrictive. Um, it, it's really just the companies don't want to pay for it. Right. So just to make it clear, because I know so many drivers um, with the states that do offer this meal and rest break um, as as part of the state law, uh, they think it's more, if they think it's more of a restriction, it's not because, you know, you can waive that and just get paid for it. So it's a kind of a win-win, really. You know, you, you, you don't have to take the break if you're in the middle of something and you can be paid for it. And I think that really needs to be made clear because it's not an additional regulation being added. It's just an additional payment option uh, offered to the driver. And and am I right in that? Did I say that correctly? That's exactly right. So, for example, in California, you're entitled to two rest breaks a day. So, uh, And that's across all industries. Uh, so 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the afternoon, essentially, it's, it's for every four hours or major fraction thereof. Um, You're supposed to be paid for your rest periods, and part of the theories, you know, in the cases is that we say, okay, the trucking industry, you're not not paying the drivers for the rest periods, and that's 10 minutes, (laughs) but, you know, they're not paying the drivers for it, and it would be easy to comply with, but they they refuse to do so. So, um, again, you know, it's, it's just one way the company is trying to save money. That's realistically what it is. And basically, really, what if you do the math, and if it's you know um, being paid like thirty minutes, at, um, I mean, it's really only maybe an extra what eighty dollars a week about um, with the ten minute break. I mean, I didn't really work it out, uh, but I would say somewhere between seventy and a hundred dollars if you averaged in the ten minute breaks and the meal break every day, and they don't have to take them. They can just take the money, and that's in their pocket, that extra $100 a week. Uh, Well, that's true. I mean, the law does provide that you should be taking the break. I mean, there's no question that the break law is there for a reason. Um, And and I do encounter a lot of drivers who are able to take their break. 
but then there's drivers on other days where um, simply the circumstances won't let them, you know, at the, at the time required. But, you know, what I'm saying is if the companies even have a mechanism in place to deal with that, they still don't pay the driver for it. So they could they could simply pay the driver the premium pay for the day, but they won't. Right. So it's, at, it's, it's really and this out. section A would eliminate um, would override this all state laws that have put this in place, uh, and then they they would no longer get that seventy to extra hundred dollars a week for their breaks right. and meal meal breaks and rest breaks. So yeah. really, that's what you're saying. Part A uh, does. Right. It's both Part A and Part B. Essentially takes away the rights of the states to regulate the wages and the working conditions of the drivers. Okay. So um, let's get into Part B, and we'll see the difference. Alan, do you have that? Yeah, Part B is the one that really, I mean, it it has the same kind of mumble-jumble, but right at the end it kind of hits you, it kind of reaches out, just kind of slaps you up, slaps you upside the head. Uh, Section B, let's see, it says, um, okay, quoting, a state political subdivision of a state or political authority of two or more states may not enact or enforce a law, regulation, or other provision having the force and effect of law that requires a motor carrier that, that compensates employees on a piece rate basis to pay those employees separate or additional compensation provided that the motor carrier pays the employee a total sum that when divided by the total number of hours worked during the corresponding work period is equal to or greater than the applicable hourly minimum wage of the state, political subdivision of the state, or political authority of two or more states. So, Christina, that's that's a little bit easier to understand, but only at the end. It's basically saying, hey, as long as you're making the minimum hourly wage, uh, hey, that's good enough for us, so it should be good enough for you. That's exactly right. So, uh, I mean, you that's, know, that's you, just so ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and and what you got to look at it from the employer's perspective. What it, what are they going to be incentivized to do now? They're going to be incentivized to to drive the uh, the workers to work as many hours as possible for for the minimum wage. And, you know, it's interesting because the drivers aren't even entitled to overtime. So, you know, and that that's what blew my mind when I first started representing drivers is I, I couldn't mm-hmm. believe that they were legally allowed to work 14 hours a day, 70 hours in seven days without any entitlement to overtime. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, how did, how did this happen when they're driving, you know, potentially 80,000-pound trucks out on the road? But, you know, now this is only going to make it worse. So now the employer is incentivized to tack on as many other activities onto the driver, making them work longer hours for lesser wage. Right. And they get away with it all because it falls under the, they are under the authority of the transportation, Secretary of Transportation, who can do that. But let me ask you this, because I've said it, I've said it several times that, uh, I, I don't know of any other industry that works that way as far as the overtime pay. I mean, I'm just curious. You know, you've been an attorney and you're dealing with all this all the time. I mean, is there another industry that you know of that, I mean, in the United States that that employees can 
can work such long hours and not just 14 hour days remember truck drivers can you know they can have 16 hour days in there from time to time and still not get overtime do you know of any other industry like that no and i I've, I've been doing practicing okay. wage and hour for 15 years wow okay so donna i've been saying that you know you've heard me say that a long time but you know with you know with an attorney here i thought well i better clarify that and uh, I know. She hasn't heard of an industry either. Yeah, it's it's just amazing. Um and and knowing, you know, when when your employer knows that you're only getting um paid for for my, your mileage pay piecework as we know it as, then that's a control right there. Because um you know, like Alan mentioned in the dis- show description, that's a retali- that can be used as retaliation. And if you call up and complain or, you know, if they want to send you somewhere, and this is just an example, and you don't want to go, well, no, I don't want I don't want to go there. Let's say a lot of people don't want to drive in New York and maybe they just want to, you know, uh be re- uh, revengeful. Uh, oh, okay. And then you just sit for two or three days without a load and there's no money. And they know that. That's a, that's a control factor uh or if you complain a lot about mechanics or you know this is doesn't sound right i think i need to do this and you know if you're a complainer this is a way and uh, another uh thing that you call it ellen is like if they want to starve you out they just they just cut your your mileage and then you can't live on the pay anymore and then you end up quitting so these when you're in that kind of a situation where you're only paid for what you perform, and on top of that, on a 14-hour clock that you're racing, I mean, this to me, and I know this is a little off the topic here, but to me to be racing on a 14-hour clock because you want to make as much money as you can um, and you also have to consider where all the parking areas are, that you have to get a certain place because there's not enough parking for the drivers. I mean, this is, the way this is set up is so ironically the most unsafe way to create an industry of people being paid on their performance and racing against the clock. I mean, do you see it that way too, Christina? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, like I said, you know, the drivers are driving trucks that are potentially 80,000 pounds. I mean, the, there's major safety issues regarding um, everything regarding the trucking industry. And when you're pushing the drivers um, to work as many hours as they do for less pay, because, you know, drivers are like everybody else. It's, you know, we all have a fixed number of bills that we have to pay every month. You know, I know my rent is X number of dollars. I know that my utility bills are going to be X number of dollars, and I need to bring in X number of dollars to live every month. But the thing is, in the trucking industry, with the drivers being paid on the piece rate compensation game, they they don't know what they're going to be making in a week. And you're right. If an employer chooses to retaliate against them and not give them the mileage they need for the week, well, they're not going to be able to pay their bills for the week. And, and you it, know what, with is. this, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, with this provision, 
if it went through, they can not only retaliate, but then give them jobs to do while they're waiting for a load, and they still won't have to pay them. That's right. So, and, and I talked to a number of drivers who, you know, arrive to work in the morning, and, you know, they may have to go search for an, uh, a trailer for two hours, or they're waiting two or three hours just to be assigned a load. Um, and, and I've seen the statistics, you know, I've uh, dealt with a lot of these companies. Um, you know, I, like I said, a lot of my practice involves trucking litigation, so I've been able to pull records statistical records from e-log data, trip data, payroll data, and see how how much of a driver's day is spent waiting, doing pre-trip inspections, doing all these activities that they're not paid for. And it's astounding to me that, you know, a driver cannot be paid up to, say, 40% of their day um, and, and not know, you know, from day to day what the circumstances are going to be. You, you don't know if you're going to incur, you know, traffic delays, weather delays, how long you're going to be held up at a customer and shipper. And that's what makes the fee straight compensation so unfair. And this is going to propound it. Um, this law is going to propound it. It's going to ensure that, um, you know, that all those non-driving activities will never be paid for. Uh, regardless of whether or not your state law allows it, and it's going to incentivize the companies to, you know, have you uh, basically put the burden on the drivers to incur all those non-driving activities, all that wait time, all that sort of stuff that's sort of unpredictable during the day. Um, they'll have to deal with it. It's going to be their problem. It's not going to be the company's problem anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And, uh Don, I can hear some background noise where you're at over there. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, okay. Hey, take a few. Are you, take a few callers, Christina, and uh, we'll see what's on everybody's mind here. I'd like to uh, welcome our listeners that I see here on the switchboard. I I didn't get them all down, but welcome to Washington, Tennessee, New York, Texas, Indiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Kansas, Rhode Island, and West Virginia, and that's as far as I got. But appreciate you tuning in. Oh, there's another one right there that popped up. So. Yeah, we've got some callers, Christina. Let me get who's been here on the longest. We'll go to uh, Tennessee first, and then it will be uh, Washington State, and then we'll grab Texas. So let's go to uh, Tennessee, area code 901. Uh, welcome to the show. Yes, uh, good evening, Christina. I'm going to keep Hi. it short. <laughs> I have two Hi. questions. Hey, I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jerry. I, I also see here possibly a state's right thing. How can isn't this kind of a corporate federal overreach that's taking my employee rights through the Department of Labor and the state of Tennessee away from me? And also, if this is worded like this, could this even deprive a driver of his workers' compensation? You know, I'm in Washington today. If I'm injured. Couldn't Washington say, hey, uh, you guys are no longer covered by our labor laws and stuff? Well, um, I'm not sure that the reach is is that broad. Um, But I will say that I have, in analyzing it initially, I thought that this would be unconstitutional. Um, I think, as as I've heard on the radio show before, and, and, and we generally know in the labor field, you know, there's the Federal Labor Standards Act. 
um, which is essentially the floor for all employment uh, and labor law in the United States. So it was a, an act that was passed by Congress to establish a federal minimum wage and, and, and basic rights that would apply to all workers um, in the United States if you meet you know, certain conditions. And it has in it a safe harbor provision that allows states to provide more rights to their workers. And um, what this does, I believe what this law does, is, is steps on the state's rights um, to enforce and, and regulate and police the, the labor and the working conditions in their state. So I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I do think that um, there's potential constitutional problems uh, with this bill, but of course, you know, what would happen is it would pass Congress, somebody would have to challenge it, and eventually, you know, it would make its way through the court system for, you know, potentially all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court to say, hey, you know, this is illegal. You're stepping on the state's rights. You can't do that. But in the well, interim, it's a lot of damage. You just said something that made me think real hard. Okay, if something happens, we could say that it would be fault back to the Federal Labor Standard Act, right? But if truck drivers are exempted from the FLS, that leaves us nowhere. Well, you, yeah, you're you're exempt under the FLSA um, anyway. It's you know it's been that way for a long time. You're mm-hmm. exempt for purposes of overtime, um, but this makes it worse. <laughs> you know because you know you, you should be entitled to get paid. For literally all of the time that you're working. I mean, this is a very basic premise that we're working from. Um, and here, they're basically trying to take that away from you because, let's face it, you know, the carriers are facing so many, um, you know, unexpected conditions or, or circumstances that can happen during the day, you know, that involves a lot of delay time and, and, and unexpected circumstances that they account account for. And they're trying to pass that on to you. And so through this bill, um, they're really saying that, look, you know, not only do we not have to pay you overtime, that's, that's been established under the FLSA for a long time, but now we only have to pay you for the piece rate, and we can determine what we're going to pay for arbitrarily you know as long as we're paying you the minimum wage then you know heck, we don't have to pay you anymore and that's what it's doing and the overall effect of it is really to pay the drivers less and they're just going to be working longer hours and the drivers work enough hours i mean really you know in my 15 years of doing wage and hour law i have never met a harder working group of employees than truck drivers and I know personally, my uncle was a truck driver, my brother's a truck driver, um, and, you know, I, I know how hard you guys work, and the reality is, is this is just going to depress the wages anymore, even more. Well, well. So you've you've witnessed this right in your family then, yeah. Christina. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my, my uncle yeah. worked for Dana Transport. My brother worked for uh, Martin Transport. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. So, yeah, you have, okay, so you are in that. So, all right, well, hey, Jerry, oh, we lost Jerry, but hey, Jerry, thanks. You know, we always know Jerry, Donna, so he has a, he's got that big, deep voice. So. Yeah, I know, and he always <coughs> he always comes up with uh, with some good questions, so thanks, Jerry, for, for, for sharing that uh, with us. Yeah, you know, it just dawned on me, too, Donna, I was sitting here looking, you know, the bill is uh, 
278 pages long, and this little thing was slipped in on page 256. So, yeah. You know, you, first, I guess first you have to read the bill to find out what's in it. Yeah. But anyway, all right, hey, let's go to, oh, we got someone else too. Okay, then we'll grab New York here. Uh, well, let me see who's been here. Who's the next one up here? Uh, well, it's showing, uh, all right, we'll go to New York. Then we, got, then we have uh, Washington and Texas. Uh, New York. Let me grab that here. Area code 716. New York, welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Hi, everybody. Um, hello. How are you doing? Uh, so, Who do we have here? Oh, good. You have Adam Laurie calling in. And, um, hi, Adam. My question is, hi. I'm always reading and hearing about the driver shortage, and the companies are, like, complaining they can't get drivers. So, like, if they cut our wages with this bill, it seems to me the driver shortage is just going to get bigger. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Alan, now you take it because I know you don't believe there is a shortage. <laughs> yeah, no, I've always said, uh, Adam, you know, I just believe, and a lot of truckers do believe too, that, you know, there's not, there never really is a driver shortage. I've written about it and talked about it a lot. I think it was a, it's something that was created by the industry itself that has to do with the, churning over a new driver to keep that you know keep those that lower pay lower wages drivers coming in one might argue now there's maybe there's a shortage for um qualified drivers but uh i mean just to put it simply i me and you know a lot of drivers too just don't believe there is a shortage so um you know i christina i don't know what more to say than that what this bill would do i mean obviously i think it would i mean if you're going to lower the wages even more or at least stomp out the negotiations for higher wages, Christina, I mean, yeah, I think more and more people would turn away from trucking, but we're already seeing that anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's interesting that you say that, you know, you, you believe that this is sort of uh, – uh, something that the trucking industry is trying to say the, the driver shortage but i i've often wondered that myself i've had the same question as the caller in that you know why are they continuous pressing wages if there is this shortage um, well another thing is the ata just put out an article or was in in an article they might not have put it in but they stated in the article that the turnover rate is 100% if there has to be something wrong within an industry that you have a 100% turnover rate. Something's wrong. And most of the time, it's it's the wages. The work doesn't measure up. The work and sacrifice do not equal uh, the wages received. And people get disgusted and quit. There's other reasons, too. But... If there's such a driver shortage, why would you have a 100% turnover rate? Right. Well, I, and, you know, I've you personally know. witnessed this in, in many of my cases where it is. I do believe it is about 100%. <laughs> you know, most of my clients have been at 10 different companies. And, you know, I tell them I, I'm not sure it's going to be better at one company versus the other, you know, as, as yeah. far as wages. Yeah. It seems like it's great in the beginning, and then somehow it, you know, it 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 goes down, you know. It does. It does within a six month cycle. It's, it's, it's just it's been going on for decades. And uh, uh, but appreciate it, Adam. I tell you one thing, Adam. If you want to, um, if you're just interested in what maybe I have written about this, you can go to AskTheTrucker.com 
and in the AskTheTrucker.com search bar, just type in truck driver shortage, and uh, you'll see you'll see the things I've written there. And I can't remember the exact name, but I think I wrote I wrote an article on AskTheTrucker.com. It's called uh, the the tr truck driver shortage is, is industry created. You can even Google that, and you should find it. And that kind of explains my thoughts. And again, I think a lot of drivers especially the veteran drivers know that there really is no driver shortage. It's, it's, it's been created by the industry and it continues to uh, uh, go on by the industry and really the industry is the only one that can stop the um, so-called driver <laughs> shortage. But go to assetrucker.com and do a search for dri truck driver shortage, industry created, and you'll find, uh, you'll find it there and maybe uh, It'll lighten you a little bit. I, di I didn't ask if you were a driver thinking about one, but anyway, Donna, you remember those posts. And, oh, well, uh, there's even I've even got, the I, most recent one. Um, I can't remember the title, but it really got into it heavy, and I think you even linked to that particular article that you just mentioned. I did. Yeah, that one with the industry creator. There was a couple that I got really deep. I got into it really, really deep, and one even had to do with global economics. I mean, I really tried to get into it as deep as I could, but those those were written a long time ago, and they've kind of faded away from the social media sites, you know, so to speak. But they're still there on Ask the Truck. You just got to find them, and and it really breaks down, you know, my thoughts on the truck driver shortage, anyway. And, and the other one, I'll end it with this. I know you have other callers, but. Uh, as I, I can't think of who it was that said it, but a lot of people say it. There's not a shortage of drivers, just a shortage of, a shortage of drivers who don't want to work for peanuts. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Now that's just it. And then you have the other effect where you know the younger, the millenniums coming in. You know they they, you know that it's not the lifestyle that they're wanting. But okay, let's go to Washington. Then we got Texas here, Washington State, area code five zero nine. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Hey, Alan. Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, we can hear yeah, you. Who is it? It's it's Joe Ammons. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. How you doing? I'm <laughs> uh, good. I want to hit on a couple things if I can take a couple minutes. I uh, sure. You saw my note. You saw my notes on driver shortage. Uh, and you can't confuse the turnover rate with the term driver shortage. Because the driver shortage simply means there's a bunch of empty trucks sitting in their parking lot. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that they just bought them all last week. They're short on drivers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. So uh, you can't confuse those two terms. And, Christina, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, under 395... The mechanics who work in a company shop are also encompassed under the act because they operate on the safety end of the truck. And they're also under the jurisdiction of the secretary, are they not? Well, you know, that's that's something that I'll have to look at. I mean, are you referring to, I, believe, I think, where – go ahead. I, I just yeah. want to – I would, not to interrupt you, but I was just saying I, I, I believe they are because if you look, uh, and I don't have it all in front of me and everything, but if you look under the you know the regulation that falls under that where the you know Secretary of Transportation is responsible for anyone, not just drive, truck driver, but anyone that in, that is in a particular 
uh, position within the trucking industry also falls under the same regulation. So I, I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure Joe's correct. I, I think right. they are under the FLSA. Right. They are exempt. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Correct. Correct. That, that's what I was getting at. And, and I'm wondering why we are not, as a group, reaching out to more of these people and uh, trying to get more feedback. Because this 611 really has nothing to do with FAA. They slipped it in there under Title 49. Right. Uh, miscellaneous. And, yeah. And and the way I'm, I'm reading all this... I, it just stymies me that we can't get groups like the Truck Safety Organization involved in fighting this because they don't want that either. Absolutely, uh, and you're so right. You know, people look at the safety groups as though they're our enemy, and they aren't. No, they're actually no. our friends, and, and people need to understand that. Well, Crash and Pat have been around for a long time, and when they joined forces, they became a really big voice, and, and it would do and, us well to hold hands with them, so to speak. Uh, and and, and we have we mentioned that. Out. Absolutely. And we do need to reach out. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, we have mentioned that so many other times. And, um, you know, the, it, it's funny. It's all part of the brainwashing, Joe, that the ATA well, would like you to think that they are your enemy. They're trying to you know, prevent you from driving more. And uh, oh, yeah. they're, they're, you see, they're accusing you of being tired when, in fact, you should be driving less and making more money. That's what drivers need to be fighting for, not to well, be driving yeah. more and working harder. And the safety groups are very much against piecework. So you're, you're so right. I'm so glad you called up to remind everybody of this. And, and the other thing, Christina, as a legal point, uh, if FLSA is, if the exemption is recalled and taken away from the secretary, would that not counter this act? Um, so what do you mean, the, the motor carrier exemption, the overtime provision? If the FLSA exemption were to be recalled, by Congress so that the Secretary doesn't have that authority anymore and we become under the auspices of the Fair Labor Standards Act, would that null and void this particular paragraph also? I don't think so. You think they'd still be able to use it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really the only thing uh, the motor carrier exemption does under the um, the FLSA is it exempts the drivers from overtime under the FLSA. Unfortunately, most of the states have adopted the same provision where you're exempt from overtime. So, for example, in California, if you drive a truck that's over 10,000 pounds, you're um, exempt from overtime. So it really doesn't it doesn't do anything as far as the, um, the regulation. It's, it's unfortunate because this legislation would totally rob the state of any policing <laughs> because – Let's face it, most of the carriers are going to be uh, paying their drivers on a piece rate basis, and if they pay the drivers on a piece rate basis, then the states are robbed of any ability to to regulate uh, the wages of the drivers. Now, the trucking industry will say, well, they still got to be, you know, in compliance with, uh, you know, as far as paying the state's minimum wage law, that's true, but that's really bare bones. They... uh, even if it were revoked under the FLSA, I, I'm not sure that um, 
it, it would change anything in the grand scheme of things. Other than if this was if this point. was passed. Yes. Yeah. So but, and, and, and really yeah. that that would be an uphill battle if this is passed. I mean, you know, I believe when the legislation was introduced. Uh, for the FLSA, it was uh, President Roosevelt who, you know, introduced it back then. I believe that it was introduced with an exemption for truck drivers at that time. And there were reasons for that. And, like, it's, it's in a historical context, you have to understand it, but it was never revoked. So drivers always under the FLSA have been exempt from overtime. Right. That well, that was because they couldn't prove things. Um, it's not like today they where they have an they ELD. Yeah. Right. It was productivity right. related. Uh, right. And, Al, Alan, just just uh-huh. to give thought to your comment about what page this is on, if uh-huh. you read the next paragraph in 612, everything comes up for review except for 611. Oh, my oh, goodness. Really? I didn't notice that. Did you did you notice that, Christina? Well, what it is is because the FAA reauthorization bill has to be approved every so many months. So I, I believe that they've been approving funding on a six-month basis. I'm not entirely yeah. sure of that, but I, I know well, that's how it's worked out within the last couple of years. So they have to reauthorize funding every six months. But this is simply a provision that they're trying to slip in, which, by the way, would be retroactive to 1994. So if there's any existing cases, which my my firm has existing cases against some of the major carriers that have literally been ongoing for almost as long as I've been at my firm, for over 10 years, and it would wipe out the wages that those drivers would be entitled to uh, through this law. So uh, not only is it active going forward, but it's retroactive to 1994. Amazing. I'll, I'll get out of the way and let somebody else speak up now. I, I managed to stir the pot a little bit. Well, thanks so much for calling in, Joe. Yeah, All appreciate right. it, Joe. Yeah. See you later. All right, have a good evening. Yeah, actually, when, when Joe got me thinking, so I, I went to... Uh, I went to assetrucker.com and typed in truck driver overtime pay, found one of my articles from March 8, 2010, entitled Overtime Pay for Truck Drivers, and it's getting into the Fair Labor Standards Act. It's getting into the motor carrier exemption, and uh, but, you know, it's getting into the U.S. Department of Labor Wage and Hour Division. And anyway, actually, it right now, I wrote it, but it's getting a little bit deep for me, so I'll have to come back to it here. Let's see. Uh, all right, Joe, appreciate it. Okay, Texas, area code. Let's get them on here. Texas, uh, area code 512. Thanks for holding. Welcome to the show. Hey, good evening. Uh, this is Pat Hockaday. Is this Pat hello? Hockaday? Hey, <laughs> hey Pat, can you hear you me? Doing? Okay. I'm doing good. I, I knew there were two Texases on hold. I didn't know if we both had the same area code. Um Boy, you just said something a minute ago that caught my ear. We know that reclassification uh, rule, rules have, have gone uh, underwent. They have worked on reclassification rules for truck drivers. What you just said a minute ago hit, if I am reclassified as an employee driver, best 
if this went through, that means they would only have to pay me minimum wage for all back pay type payments that they would have to pay me, correct? Am I saying that right? If I was reclassified, I'm an owner-operator now, if I was reclassified as an employee because of all of the, the, the changes that are going on in this class, driver classification rulings, then I would be eligible for back pay, and they would only have to pay me seven twenty-five an hour. What do you mean back pay? Well, that's what I'm trying to get through my little head here. Uh, let's go to well, I think thing. I think oh, no, I can listening. jump in here. Yeah, um, because go I, ahead, Christine. I, I think well, I think I know what you did, but go ahead. Right. My firm also has a number of the cases um, involving these, you know, phony baloney lease purchase agreements that the drivers entered into where they're independent contractors, alleged independent contractors with the companies. And one of one of the claims that we allege is if they're reclassified as employees, then they would be entitled to back pay for all their non-driving activities that they weren't compensated for. Um, because typically a lot of the owner-operators I see are paid on a piece rate basis similar to most of the employee drivers out there. So we make similar allegations saying if the court declares that they're employees, they get back pay for all these non-driving activities. And I believe what it, uh, the caller is saying is correct, that um, it would essentially wipe out those claims. You saved me. Um, many of these lease purchase programs, the drivers may work all week. They really shouldn't be classified as, as, as lease drivers or owner-operators or whatever you want to classify them as. So that's kind of what I was getting at. Um, my next question is, and this goes a little bit deep, when is a driver at work? In other words, when somebody controls my time, I would consider myself to be at work for the person who controls my time. If they do not have control over my time, then obviously I'm not at work. I I believe that all drivers should be I believe that drivers should be paid for all time. That makes it simple. Actually, what it boils down to, if you break down the numbers, a driver can drive 8.75 hours a day every day. A driver is required to take a 30-minute break as a means of being able to operate safely. A driver is required to take a 10-hour break, there again, in order to operate safely. The uh, Parts 395 hours of service have these requirements in place. Now, we know um, that if I'm taking my 10-hour break, an officer... An inspector can knock on my door, wake me up, and do an inspection on me. I'm obviously not on my time. If I was on my time in my house, they would need a warrant to come in and inspect my house. You see where I'm going with this? So if you do the math, 10-hour break, 30-minute break, uh, 8.75 hours average working, that amounts to about 19 and a quarter hours a day. So I feel like a driver should legitimately claim pay for 19 and a quarter hours. And the days, that they can vary so drastically. You might work 
under this premise, you might work 24 hours in a day, 14 hours plus your 10 hours. So it's just easier to, to, to bring it up and, and just say 24 hours. And there, therefore, based on that, I, I think that drivers should be paid a salary that pays them for all of their time. And this would eliminate a lot of the need for getting paid for this 10 minutes here or that 20 minutes there or this duty or that duty. They're getting paid for all time. So does that make any sense at all? Well, I think this provision would pretty much uh, prevent that from happening, though, ever. That's why, I mean, and and I think we need to make the call to action right now, the 202-224-3121, which is the national switchboard, and to talk to your legislatures and tell them that you are definitely against the FAA reauthorization uh, provision in, in Section 611. And uh, OIDA has a great page that explains it all. Um, and we posted the link if anybody needs help on how to do this. But, um, uh, Christina, I think, you know, Pat's one of the, the drivers who is fighting for getting paid for, for all time, him and, and so many others. And we're going to be having a series of shows uh, about this also. But this provision, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, would absolutely squelch that. It would. It would. This provision, Christina, would, like we said earlier, um, when I said, you know, well, drivers say, well, we don't get paid for it anyway. What's it matter? Well, this, what Pat's talking about, Christina and Donna, is um, if this went through, it would stop any negotiation of what Pat's wanting to ever take place. Right, Christina? Exactly, and it gives so, the, the okay. companies the legal authority to um, basically get away with paying the drivers minimum wage, and and throwing okay. in as many activities and hours, you know, up to the seventy hour cap in there. So yeah, this would be devastating um, to the drivers. Just, and what I've witnessed, it's not only California. There's there's been a movement, you know, in other states as well to get the drivers compensated for all of these non-driving activities. It's not just California. It's Massachusetts. It's New York. It's Washington. It's Florida. There's this overall movement that's gaining momentum to get the drivers paid for all these non-driving activities because everyone is recognizing how long the driver's day is, how long uh, they're working throughout the week, and then they're not being paid for all these, uh, for everything that they're doing. It's just, it's this, this, this sense of injustice as to what's happening here, and there's a movement to get the drivers paid for all of this time worked, and um, this would essentially halt that completely and put a stop to it forever. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a movement that could could make history then because I, as long as I've been in the industry, I've never heard of anybody else even caring that the truckers were going through this. So, but you're seeing a movement. I mean, it, it's uh, what what else can one do other than call the U.S. switchboard and let them know? I mean, it, what would you recommend doing, or is that the is that the best thing to do? Just call the U.S. switchboard and say, "Hey, we don't want this bill. Shoot it down." Or what? What can other people? What can people do otherwise? Well, at this time, that's the best thing that you can do is reach out to your representative or uh, your senator, 
uh, find out who's representing you in your district where you live, call the switchboard. If you give them, generally, and I'm not sure how it's working right now, but I believe if you give them your zip code, they'll automatically connect you uh, to who your representative or senator is, and then you can express your opposition to this bill and what's happening and explain what's happening to you personally in your district, and it will make a difference. Some people think, oh, gosh, there's no point, you know, just one person speaking up, how much of a difference is it going to make? I know from experience that if a senator or someone from the House receives even 10 calls, one, two, three, 10 calls, it's coming to the attention of whoever your representative is from your district. And so it's important for people to reach out to express their opposition to this, and it will come to the attention of whoever your representative or senator is from your district, and it will make an impact. Um, I know a lot of people feel our system is so big, they feel overwhelmed, um, that you know their vote, their, their speaking out is not going to make a difference, but it really does. And so I encourage it does. people. It does. Oh, yeah, no, so I ahead. encourage people to call and, and speak out. That's the most important thing that you can do. And last time, you know, I, I believe that, that uh, you know, the truckers and speaking out were able to defeat it, to get out, you know, this provision and the transportation bill, and I think we can do it again. I think so, too, and it does. We, re- we try to reiterate that, too, a lot to truckers that kind of turn a blind eye to what they can, what one person can do when it comes to governmental issues like this, but... Donna, we've seen it with, they said Jason's law would never go through. They said that, well, you know, denim amendment. I mean, that's just two real quick off the top of my head that, you know, they called, they they got, they acted upon it, and, you know, we saw it go through. So Christina's right. It, it does have impact. It does work. No, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you, what about, um, do you advise calling the um, House Transportation Committee members? Uh, on that site, do you think um, that you know? Plus, call your uh, people, your representatives, your senators. On top of that, w- would that help also? Yeah, I believe it would. At this point, at this point, the bill is in the House, um, and it was introduced on Wednesday of last week. And I believe uh, some activities are going to be happening this week regarding the bill. Um, And like I said, it's strictly in the House at this point. Um, I'm not sure if it's in just the Transportation Committee or if it's before all of the House, but regardless, this involves the Transportation Committee members, involves all of the House. So whoever your representative is in the House, I encourage uh, drivers to reach out to whoever your representative is and express your opposition at this time. Okay. Well, um, and, and again, that number is 202. And this is for the switchboard now, uh, National Switchboard, 202-224-3121. Um, is that right, Alan? Because I don't have it in front of me. I'm kind of doing it by memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 202-224-3121. And, Christina, I guess they would just, uh, the proper way to ask for it is the FAA reauthorization bill? That's right. Um, we used to be able to call it the Denim Amendment. That's what it was in the original right. transportation bill. It was introduced by a representative in California, in Turlock, California. Now it's just inserted as a provision in the FAA reauthorization bill. 
but I believe if you call or reach out to your uh, representative and you indicate, you know, what it is that you're opposing, they're going to know that it's, you know, it's part right. of the FAA reauthorization bill and let them know what it is that you're opposing. I guess Section 611, and then they can just, you know, if you want to, maybe that's the, the hot the hot button, Section 611. <laughs> yeah, well, they can even go further with pages 256, 258, I guess, huh? And, uh, That's well, right. Well, it stands. Go ahead. It, I was saying it stands out like a sore thumb because yeah. <laughs> really the whole bill yeah. is about the, the privatization of the air traffic control system, and here we have we have this provision that's regulating trucking. Uh, right. So... <laughs> So even if the, the drivers want to say, look, I, I oppose the uh, provision that would uh, regarding wages, state regulation of wages and breaks uh, in the FAA reauthorization bill, I think that the representative is going to know what they're referring to. Yeah, and, you, you know, you made a good point. If they're calling up about an aviation bill and you, you throw trucking in there, I think they're, I think they're going to know right away. So... <laughs> All right. Well, okay. it's important. It's like it's like you said, Christina. I mean, people making the calls to the switchboard, raising their voices. It does, it does get noticed, and it does work. Donna and I've seen it, and many of us within the trucking social media have seen it too. So, we appreciate it. Hey, if anyone had any questions or anything, uh, is there a way? What a good way for them to? What's the best way for them to contact you? Or, uh, I guess maybe do you have the, your website, your law firm, or how a phone number? That? Yeah. That's right. So our phone number is 818-991-8080. Again, that's 818-991-8080. And the law firm is Marlin and Saltzman, and it's www.marlinsaltzman.com. That's M-A-R-L-I-N-S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N.com. And my name is Christina Humphrey. I'm a partner in the firm. And I have been representing truckers. We've uh, sued many of the major carriers. Uh, I understand the trucking industry, and I'm happy to answer any questions that anyone may have regarding this bill or any other issues that you may have. I've represented truckers on many issues, not only uh, employees but independent owner-operators, um, you know, dealing with the uh, sleep apnea issue. So. It's it's well, a it's I, a broad array of issues in, in, involving truckers that I'm dealing with on a day to day basis. And there's a enough in trucking that I'm sure keeps you keeps you busy as <laughs> pretty busy I would imagine. So hey, we appreciate you uh, spending some time this Saturday evening and clarifying the section A and B. I think this is going to really helpful, and we'll shoot this show out and uh, get people calling the switchboard. And just like the Denim Amendment, maybe we can get this thing shot down. That's right. I hope so. And I encourage everyone to call in to their representative and let them know that they're opposed to this this bill. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I have full confidence. I said that last time uh, when we did our shows about the uh, Denim Amendment, and people were pretty fired up. Uh, we had videos and uh, people making videos and, and sharing them on social media. So I feel really confident that, that people are going to do the same thing for this because especially after listening to this um, this show, 
I think they're going to realize the seriousness of this. So, yeah. um, oh, thanks so much for for coming on. I'm so I'm so happy to have you. And I want to give a big shout out to uh, Craig Craig Ackerman, um, and he's with I, I can't say you probably know how to say the the last name of the other partner um, Ackerman and Telajif. Is that did I say that right? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Uh, shout out to him also, and he's another advocate and if people go to our trucking social media uh website you'll s- slide down scroll down you'll see attorney advocates and you'll be able to see marlin and saltzman llp here and that's where christina um is a partner as well as our other um our other ad- attorney advocates who fight very hard for the uh trucking industry um you know a lot of you know paul taylor over at truckers justice truck driver law rem bennett and more trucker lawyers uh again ackerman and talajif desai law firm marlin and saltzman wagner jones Kopman and artinian and uh corey and singer so uh, those are our attorney advocates who really helped us go to trucking social media and click on the resource link, and you can you can look at all their websites. And we really yeah. appreciate everything they do. Yeah, and you can also just get to um, find Christina real quick. Just click on her name in the show description, and they'll take you right there. So, hey, Christina, thanks again. Appreciate it. Have a have a good uh, weekend, and uh, we will be in touch. We appreciate all you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, like I said. It, Truckers are some of the hardest working employees that I've seen in my 15 years, and I'm really glad that you guys are out there advocating for them every day. And I'm very proud and honored to represent the truckers that I do in in my cases. And let's keep forging ahead, and and I encourage people to speak up because it really does make a difference. Oh, they will. We'll we'll put a a lot of people putting out a call to action. OIDA has one, and... um, Truckers United, and uh, I can't, you know, think of all the different places, but I know they're out there because we've been spreading the word. Uh, yeah. yeah, and we did it with Denim Amendment. We can do it now. So, Karina, Christina, thanks again. Appreciate it. Have a great uh, weekend, and uh, we will do this again another time. And Donna will take a quick break. I didn't know if you even have uh, any uh, notes, any announcements. I have a couple of uh, a couple of announcements. Of course, you do. <laughs> All right, hang tight. We'll take a quick break. Be right back, and we'll hear what Donna has to say. Hang on. (laughs) Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. 
Hey everybody, Alan Smith here, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website TruckerLawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash TruckerLawyers and follow them on Twitter as at TruckerLawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. Good show. Donna, what do, you, what do you have for us there? Well, I just wanted to um, remind everybody that tonight uh, was supposed to be the show with the um, Zyper app. Or the developers were on. They have a lot of great information to share. Um, they're going to be on most likely next uh, Saturday instead um, or a Thursday. We haven't really narrowed down the evening, but I know a lot of people are waiting for the drawing on that Falcon Eye dash cam that they entered in on and everybody who downloaded the Zyper app uh, and that's X-Y-P-P-E-R you automatically are entered into the dual camera uh, dash cam Falcon Eye dash cam giveaway so we were going to be announcing that tonight but that's going to be on another show which is a good thing because now uh, anybody listening who hasn't downloaded the Zyper app uh, yet can uh, be automatically entered in that drawing. So what is Zyper? Um, uh, basically, it's a TPI product of, of freight management, which would pretty much it's revolutionizing um, the freight movement from shipper to carrier. So, you know, you ask yourself, well, how much time do you spend for uh, looking for loads? What about haggling with brokers or even trying to find uh, shippers to deal with you directly? Uh, what about all the paperwork that's involved? And uh, how much time do you, do you spend doing all these things? Well, uh, Zyper is a free app for owner-operators, which can literally uh, change all that. You know, when you think about trucking in your business, you know, time is, is of the essence. And uh, these are these are loads that are priced right, but the beauty is they're sent directly to your phone and your email. Um, and when and when you're completed with it, the paperwork's completed. All this is generated, all your paperwork, including including your bill of lading and your your billing. So Zyper connects real shippers to carriers, and not just loads from a load board. And the app will detect where you are, your truck type. It knows if you're empty. And uh, then it sends loads that uh, shippers have posted directly for you. uh, And you either accept or reject. So um, I know, you know, there's a few similar apps out there. But, you know, after looking and comparing all the features, Zyper comes out far ahead. And um, we're waiting for this comparison chart that they've developed to actually help you um, 
uh, choose a different uh, freight app to download on your phone, and it'll compare all the features. So we're going to be putting that out, and I'm really looking forward to having the developers of Zyper on the show. So uh, anyway, go ahead, download XYPPER uh, to your uh, smartphone. It's on Android and the and the iPhone. It's free to download, and here's another thing that makes it different from a lot of the apps. There's no monthly charges, so it's a win-win. Um, and get entered in that Falcon Eye uh, dash cam giveaway because once you download it, you're you're in that for the drawing, and we will be announcing it on Ask the Trucker Live. So that's um, that's Cyper Z Y P P E R. And let me look at the rest of my notes. Um, you know, I think we said most of all of that I wanted to say uh, in the show. Oh, one thing I did want to say was, and we didn't get to say it in the show, is uh, we have to really move on this um, <clears throat> with the FAA reauthorization uh, provision that's in there uh, for truck driver wages, fair wages. Um, because uh, the, their funding is going to be running out, so they have to have a decision. So we we have to really move on this, everybody. Um, hopefully by the end of February we can have this really out there throughout so it gets to all the drivers. Uh, we do have some time as this funding does end in March, but let's not wait until March. Let's get it done now, And because before you know it, March is here. So um, I just wanted to mention that. Uh, that we have, we have until mo- a whole month to get this out here. You know, write all your articles, your your social media posting, and share it with your friends. Just share it, because if one person shares it with two people, and then those people share it with two people, before you know it, in one month, it's um, it's really among the driving community, and especially when we have social media now. And this is one of the reasons that. Um, that the denim amendment was uh, just knocked down. And be sure to include that call to action. Call the U.S. switchboard. Don't wait now. Start it now. Absolutely. (laughs) 202-224-3121. And, uh, uh, you know, even even if you don't know who your uh, representatives are, they'll just ask you your, your zip code, and they'll know. They'll tell you who they are, and they'll connect you. Um, and there's also, uh, uh, we have links on the show page, other ways to get a hold of your representatives. If you want to read the additional information, um, just go to the show page tonight. The links are all over on Facebook um, and LinkedIn and Twitter and all like that. So, uh, and, and plus, if you have questions, just, just email us, info at truthabouttrucking.com. Well, I just want to thank everybody who's working so hard on this, and I, and I know there's so many people who are, and we really do appreciate it. Yeah, and we appreciate you tuning in and listening, and special thanks to Attorney Christina Humphrey of Marlin and Saltzman, LLC. You can find them online at marlinandsaltzman.com. You can find Christina real easy. Just click on her name in the show description, and there she is. And uh, as you heard her say, she's been doing this a long time, and she reiterated several times on the show that this is very serious. So I'm hoping truckers will listen and take light of this and understand the importance of this because uh, this uh, this bill that will be a will be an attack on truckers' wages. There's no doubt about it. You heard you heard our guest say it a few times there, and it is very important. So 
thanks again to Christina for coming on the show, everyone listening. And uh, I guess we will catch you next time. Uh, Thursday, Donna, you going to have a- Yeah, Thursday evening. Um, we have our we have our health shows, and Saturday evenings um, we alternate and have our uh, trucking regulations and you know matters like like what we're talking about tonight. Other than other than health, although we have had some health shows on Saturday night too. So. Um, Anyway, yeah, we'll talk to you uh, Thursday evening, 6 p.m. Yeah, you don't know. You, you get it all here. Ask the Trucker Live. We do it all. So, hey, fellow trucker, Tony Justice, I know uh, we're trying to get him here. He's so busy, uh, Donna. He's got he's got something going on with country music star, recording artist, uh, Aaron Tippin. Oh, absolutely. And, um, yeah, we're, I was talking to him about a week ago. And we're going to be getting him on the air. I know so many drivers love him. We love him. Um, And he's going to give us an update on what he's doing in the industry and all the wonderful things that are going on for him. And we're so excited because he's a tremendous talent. And just to be um, recording an album with Aaron Tippin, uh, we're just so excited for him. So he'll be on. I'm actually, uh, you know, I'm tipping my hand a little bit, but I'm actually uh, trying to get him for Thursday. But it might have to be for Saturday. Yeah, he's hard to. He's, I know. He's hard to throw a lasso around. Not only does he do all that recording in the studio, he's also running the road. So. TonyJusticeMusic.com. That's where you can find his music. We'll leave you with his uh, Peterbilt. 369. Thanks again, everyone. We will catch you next time. You've been listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. On behalf of Alan and Donna Smith, AskTheTrucker.com, TruckingSocialMedia.com, NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com, BlogTalkRadio, and Ask the Trucker Live. I'm J. Michael Collins. Until next time, drive safe and thanks for listening.
Get you there, my son of Peter Bill.